I want to look at this aspect of the Messiah and Jesus Christ. And the rest of the rest of this evening is going to be focused on the aspect of Jesus Christ. So Moses prophesied that one would come after him that would be like him. And go to your Bibles, go to the book of Deuteronomy. <coughs> Deuteronomy. And as we begin to think about this, I thought this is so interesting because Moses came on the scene after 400 years of silence where God was not doing anything. 400 years of silence. And they were in bondage to Egypt. And then God meets Moses in a burning bush. Amen? But before that, you don't see where God is. And you know what? In the same way Jesus Christ, 400 years of silence. The, that's called the intertestamental period between the New Testament and the Old Testament. 400 years of silence. What happens? Well, first you have John the Baptist piping up. No miracles, by the way. John the Baptist didn't do any miracles. All he did was preach. He was just a forerunner. He was just like the, the, the person giving the message in the square that the king's proclamation is coming. Amen? And he was just a voice crying in the wilderness, the Bible says. And so here in Deuteronomy 18, 15, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren. Like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Amen. And so here Moses is pointing towards the future where there is going to be a prophet that's going to come. Later on, I don't know if I have that here. Uh, I may have it in a different section. I believe it was Stephen. When he was preaching, he mentioned this particular verse. And he said, remember when Moses said a prophet was going to come? He came. <laughs> Amen. And so in the scripture, you see the fulfillment of that, even within the dynamics of the preaching itself. Amen. And so in Numbers 14, 11, and the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I've showed unto, among them? In verse 22, it says, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice. You think about this. They saw the signs and wonders and yet they still refused to obey. Think about this. They saw God supply in the wilderness. They saw the manna come down. They had all these great Red Sea for crying out loud. <laughs> and yet what happens? They don't believe his word. So let me ask you this. What's more important? The miracles or the word? The word. The miracles didn't help these people at all. The word would have. If they would have hearkened unto it. You got the world crying for miracles. Oh, I, I met one guy. I remember when I was uh, uh, in my 20s. There was a guy that I knew. And he, got, he was kind of getting sucked into the whole charismatic movement. It was just kind of beginning at that point. Really starting to get popular uh, in the 90s there and he says oh some of these preachers they talk about power he says this is power he was just captivated by that power but the problem is this guy was still doing drugs he was drinking on the weekends he was partying there was no power there's no power because you're not listening <laughs> you're not listening to God 
You can get all infatuated about the power and the miracles, but it doesn't help you until you submit to his word. Amen? But that's how Satan's going to work. That's what he does. So letter B, the Old Testament spoke of the Messiah's miracles. And I'm just going to give you a couple of these, of these uh, scripture here. I'm leading up to something, so stay with me on this. Isaiah 35, verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Amen. Wow, that's pretty wonderful. Speaking of this future time when the Messiah will come. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I've created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him, bring forth the blind people that have eyes, and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Whom among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may just be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. And so here we're having many things in the Old Testament that are pointing towards the future that are telling us that there's going to be a great resurgence of healing. Healing and blind people and, and dumb people can speak. Uh, those that couldn't walk are going to jump up like a, like a heart, like a deer. Amen. Say, wow, that sounds good. Well... In letter C, Jesus introduced himself to the rulers in the synagogue and the miracles he would be accomplishing using scripture in Luke 4, 18. So when Jesus came on the scene, you know what he did? He first gave them Bible. <laughs> he gave them Bible. You know what he did? He came into the synagogue one day, and this is the tradition. The tradition is in the synagogue, the ruler of the synagogue would grant you permission to come up and read a portion of scripture. So you grab your scroll, whichever one you want, and you'd bring it up to the desk and you would unravel it and you would read your portion of scripture. While standing behind the pulpit, you wouldn't preach. All you do is read the scripture. You'd roll it back up, give it back to the ruler of the synagogue, and then go sit down. And then everybody would look at you, wait for you to tell them what it is that you just read. So you'd preach from your seat. This is why in Luke 4.18, 4, uh, when Jesus was, when he went to that synagogue, this is what he preached and in, in, this is what he read in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, in a different passage, I should have had it in here. I believe it's in Matthew. The Bible says that he, was, he, he closed the scrolls and he sat down and this is what he said. He said, this day, this is fulfilled. What they were waiting for was an explanation of the scripture. So whoever read the scripture would sit down and explain the scripture, not standing up by sitting down. <laughs> So you can imagine this. Jesus read the scripture, closes up the book, walks back to his seat, sits down. Everybody's eyes are following him. He sits down. Everybody's watching. And he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your, in your sight, in front of you, in front of your eyes. He told everybody. 
by the word of God. Amen? That is fulfillment of Old Testament scripture, which is told to us that he was going to come and do that. It's always Bible. Amen? We need to understand that it's not about, it's not about someone just coming on the scene and doing something crazy, something wild, or something supernatural. It was always a scriptural purpose being fulfilled whenever things like this took place. And that's something we need to tell people. Amen? It's about the word of God. And so this is what Jesus did. He introduced himself. Uh, letter D, Jesus Christ did miracles that validated his Messiahship. In, um, over the period of 1,400 days of Christ's earthly ministry, Jesus did so many miracles that, could not, that they could all not be recounted, the Bible says. In fact, it says, and there are so many, uh, in John 21, verse 25, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. <laughs> he did a lot. Though I think the scriptures only record, I think, 39 of his miracles. That you could do that in a week. 1,400 days. 1,400 days of Jesus Christ walking this earth in his ministry. <laughs> More than they said, I can even recount everything that Jesus did. But he gave a specific one. So what that tells us is, when we go to the scripture and read about these accounts, we got to pay attention because this isn't just giving us a breakdown of his, of his whole ministry. This is God telling us, this is what I think is important for you to see as I reveal my purpose to you. Amen? So that helps us. It helps us give attention. This is important. Matthew 4.23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. All manner. How many manner? All manner. So this whole thing about uh, vetting out who's going to get Benny Hinn's favor here, that didn't exist with Jesus. Oh, no, I can't. No, we can't really. Your sickness, no, we'll put you at the back of the line. <laughs> it's organic. It's not psychosomatic. It's amazing the power you can have over someone's psyche when you put them through an emotional experience like that, you know, even on the adrenaline of what's going on, you know, you could walk on a broken leg for a, for a mile and not know it. You know what I mean? Psychosomatic, but not with Jesus, all manner, all the time. You got a leg missing. There we go. You got leprosy. It's healed. The woman with the issue of blood, it stopped. Amen? That's just, not, that's just not my thing. If it was a mind thing, she would have got to it a long time ago because she sure hated it. She spent a lot of her life savings to get that healed, to get that fixed, and nobody could help her. But Jesus, just by him, her touching the hem of his garment, it stopped. And virtue went out of him. Wow. And his fame went through all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, that means different diseases, and torments, torments, it's not just about diseases. What about these people that have lost their minds about things? I, I mean, I've tried to help people sometimes. Man, like, how do I help this guy? Jesus comes on the scene. You're helped. <laughs> it's done. You know, these mental ailments that people are going through, that's packing these homes full of people that and, and they don't know what to do with themselves. 
Jesus was healing people like that. Torments. The stuff today that we tell people, you need to forgive or you need to get that right. They've been delivered to the tormentors. Yet they've gone to the wrong people. The people have told them, oh, you know, it's not about what you did. It's what someone else did to you. And they lock them in their torment for the rest of their life instead of making them personally responsible for what it is they're believing. Because that's why you're suffering. You're not suffering because someone else. You suffer because your own decisions. You suffer because your own lies. Like I've always said, nobody makes you mad. (laughs) You make yourself mad. (laughs) If someone else could make me mad, then I'm one sorry individual because I've got no control over my life. Jesus Christ proved to us that that was not true. He said, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. That means they attacked him, and he was able to give that over to the Father in heaven. And you know what he said before that? He says, I've given this as an example that you should follow in my steps. So that means nobody makes you mad. We get mad. We make ourselves mad because of what we go through, and we're not trusting God. Amen? Is everything fair? No, it's not fair. People will treat you unfairly. You know what? Something hit me this week, and I went to the Lord in prayer. Uh, And it's not always fair what people do to you. And this is what I said to God. I says, God, if you want to break me with this, you feel free to do that. See, that's the opposite of getting angry and bitter. I accept it. Wow. I mean, the Lord seemed to just bring me liberty in my soul after I gave him that. See, what you're doing is saying, Lord, I trust you. (laughs) I trust you. Even if this is all wrong, I still trust you. Amen? Jesus has come on the scene. He'd heal people of those torments and those things that go on in their hearts and minds. In Matthew 4.25, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. In Acts 2.22, it says this, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. This was the Apostle Peter. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Then he went on to say, It is he whom you crucified. (laughs) He did all these things, and you still killed him. You didn't listen. All the miracles, all the miracles, all the things. Do this for me. Do that for me, God. Pay my bills. Take care of my sickness. Take care of this, God. Take care of that. God answers time after time after time. Helps us day after day after day. And when it comes down to it, it's simply the fact that we're not believing what he says in his word. Amen? Sometimes I, look, I think about myself and say, Lord... You've already proved this to me. Why in the world am I giving you a hard time about it? You've shown me time and time again that you've been there, but here I am crying like a baby again, like somehow you're going to let me down. Maybe we just need to believe God, amen? There are approximately 36, I said 39 miracles, recorded for us. It's only a small portion. You know, prior to Jesus' birth, rabbis had divided miracles into two categories. 
that would differentiate the miracles that were performed by someone used of God and those that would be reserved only for the coming Messiah. It's very interesting. There were three miracles that would prove to the Jews that the Messiah had come. And they had this already in play before. They had laws about this. I want to share this with you. The first one is this, the healing of a leper. Mark 1.40, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, listen to this, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for what? For a testimony unto them. Wow. <laughs> and, but he went out. And began to publish it much. <laughs> and to blaze, it, blaze abroad the matter. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. But was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. He couldn't go in the city anymore. Because this guy went out there just blabbed it. Instead of just doing what Jesus told him to do. I don't blame him. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> you know. So you think about this. Jesus says don't go tell anybody. I want you to go to the priest. And go to him after the manner that Moses commanded as a testimony unto them. Wow. This is very interesting. In Matthew 8, 1, I think it might be the same account as when he went down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. <laughs> Since the completion of the Mosaic law, after that first era of miracles, no one had been cleansed of leprosy. No one. The Mosaic law gave instruction on what was to be done to determine the cleansing of a leper. And that's in Le Leviticus 14, 1 to 20. You can write that down or whatever. And it's, and it's laid out very detailed. Isn't it interesting? All that detail was given to the cleansing of the leper for that testimony. And not one leper was cleansed from the time of the Mosaic law till Jesus cleansed this man. See, that's why the Pharisees knew that if someone comes cleansing a leper, that's the Messiah. And he did it. Yet did they accept him? <laughs> no. The second miracle is the healing and casting out a dumb demon. A dumb demon. In Matthew 12, verse 22, it says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Immediately, because of what he did, this has to be the Messiah. Now why? why? Why this particular? He'd cast out many demons. But why this particular one? A law, oh no, sorry. 
exorcisms were done before Jesus came. They were always doing exorcisms. They were always casting out demons. But the demon would always have the need to reveal itself verbally before it could be exorcised. They would never be able to cast it out unless it revealed who it was. And you see that in scripture many times, how they'd reveal, we are legion. They'd say their name. And so the Pharisees knew that when the Messiah came, if he were to cast out a demon out of a dumb person that could not speak, that had to be simply the power of God, that had to be the Messiah. (laughs) They knew this. They knew this before Jesus came. The third one is this, the healing, healing the blind from birth. You know that, and if you want to look at that, I'm not going to read it all. John 9, remember that whole account there? It's almost a whole chapter given to that one man's healing of of blindness. Why? Because a law was made by the Pharisees, and it even have a name, I didn't put the name down, that made it illegal to heal a blind man from birth. Because they were saving that for the Messiah. And who came along? Jesus Christ. And what did he do? Healed a blind man. It was a big deal because they got everybody together. They said, tell us what happened here. They just couldn't believe. They got the parents. Was this guy blind from birth? They said, yeah, that's all I know. He's blind from birth. You know? they, they just couldn't get their head around this. Well, there's only one explanation, guys. This is the Messiah. They had all of these three miracles already nailed down before he even came on the scene. And they already classified the two categories of miracles from what is just a normal miracle to a Messiah, messianic miracle. Isn't that something? (laughs) And Jesus knew all that. And you know, Jesus did no miracles for those that rejected him. He never did miracles for them. John 2.22 When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. (laughs) In other words, what this is telling you is he knew what was in them. Everybody, oh, look at him and the miracles. And he knew these people truly didn't believe on him. And the Bible says he he refused to commit himself to them. Isn't that something? In John 12, 37, it says, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. 
And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment which I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. To the Lord it's about what he said. (laughs) To him it's about the word. It's about what I've said to you. That will judge you in the last day. And so he says, these miracles, and just because you're following me, because I'm doing all these miracles, I'm not going to commit myself to you. But you need to hear what I'm saying. And believe it. And trust it. Amen? The blind man that were healed expressed faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ's Messiahship when they called him Son of David. In Matthew 20, 30, it says, Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, the Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Don't you love that? Our God is so good. Thou Son of David. It wasn't just do a miracle for me. It's... We believe who you are, Jesus. We believe who you are. And we haven't seen anything yet. I haven't seen you do anything, Jesus. I just believe who you are. Can you imagine in Christ's heart how he felt these are, oh, this is so wonderful. They've never looked on me. They've never seen me do a miracle. And yet they're crying out, thou son of David. Amen. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, the son of David, that's pretty major. In Matthew 21, 15, And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. (laughs) They didn't like that. Saying, Hosanna, son of David? Oh! They didn't want him accredited to be the Messiah. Amen. Luke 20, verse 41. And he said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore called him Lord. How is he then his son? (laughs) So what he's trying to do is, If I'm the son of David, I'm also the Lord of David. Wow. The Pharisees only believed his earthly lineage to Joseph. So the Lord would not do miracles for them. That's why when you look at the book of Matthew, you have a lineage given. That lineage starts uh, with Abraham down to Joseph. Joseph the carpenter. Joseph was in the lineage of David. He was actually a son of David. But Jesus Christ was not after Joseph because he was virgin born. 
And the reason is, is because that line was cursed after Jeconiah in the captivity of Babylon. God said there shall no seed sit up after Je- Jeconiah will sit upon the throne of David. They're cursed. So nobody could sit upon the throne. They're cursed. Well, that's kind of a, well, what's going to happen then? Do you understand they've never had a king on the throne since Babylon? They've been cursed. So then how is Jesus going to sit on that throne? Well, he definitely can't be at the seat of Joseph because that seat is cursed after Solomon. But then you have the other lineage in Luke that starts on Adam, starts with God, goes to Adam, all the way down to who? Mary, who is actually under the lineage of Nathan, who is Solomon's older brother, David's son. So they both came from a different child of David. (laughs) Amen. And so Mary was also a descendant of David. So that's why God chose Mary. And that's why in Genesis 3.15, it says that he would say, he would do what? He would crush the head of the serpent with what? The seed of a woman. Not the seed of a man. Virgin birth was being taught in Genesis 3.15. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and thou shalt call him his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is what? God with us. Amen. So do you see that he had to be virgin born in order to sit upon the throne of David? So through David's, through Joseph's adoption, and that Jesus had no other seed that was on the earth, he qualified to sit upon the throne of David under the adoption of Joseph. But he was not of the seed of Joseph. (laughs) But he was of the son of David. (laughs) You see how the two lineages actually mean something? And they prove to you that only Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Christ, is the only one that could sit upon the throne. And he's the only one that can sit as king over Israel and, of course, over the world. Amen? No man could do that. The Antichrist is a fool. He he thinks he's going to fool everybody. He cannot be king of Israel. Because he'll be born after some man. Seed of a man, not the seed of the woman. <laughs> Amen. You get that? <laughs> Anyways, a little side note there. And so that's the aspect of Joseph. So in Mark 6, 1, it says, And he went out from thence and came into his own country. This is Jesus. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. They could only see him as the son of Joseph. They couldn't see him as the son of David. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. John 6, 42, it says, And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I come down from heaven? (laughs) Yeah, duh. (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) Maybe he's not everything you think he is. Amen.
So they had the question. They knew. They knew. Either you're of this or you're of that. But they were not willing to put him in that. And that's why Jesus says, I can do nothing for you. Amen. You want the Lord to do something in your life? You have to make him the issue. He's got to become the issue. It's not you. It's not this world. It's not them. It's not there. It's not whatever. It's do you believe who he is? Is Jesus Christ the son of God? If that is your God, and that's the one that you've received into your heart, and that is the Jesus that you call to in prayer, and you believe on that, folks, do you understand that he will do anything for you? He says, for without me, ye can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Amen. Boy, God wants to do some great things. But he has shown us right from the beginning it has nothing to do with the supernatural miracles. It always has to do with believing who he is and believing what he said. So we got to take our lives from where we are right now. Say, okay, Lord, where am I not believing what you've said? Because that's why I'm in trouble today. That's why I don't have your presence. That's why I don't have your power in my life. That's why I'm not happy. That's why I don't have joy. That's why I don't feel blessed. It's about him. And we've got to get back to him. And when we do that, it's going to be great. <laughs> Amen. So let's get back to him. Let's get back to him in prayer. Let's get back and believe on him and talk to him and say, Lord, I have not given you credit for who you are. To you, you've been nothing to me but Joseph, the, the son of Joseph in my life. And if people look at me, that's all they can look at, at the victory in my life, that it was just a man's victory. <laughs> but that's enough of this. I want to be delivered. I want to show people that my God is not just the son of Joseph. My God is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He's the one that, that was told in, in Genesis 3.15. He's the one that was pictured throughout the Old Testament. <laughs> he is the son of God. Amen? Let's bow our heads.